Today on Hispanic Genealogy Talk, we will be talking to author Dave Gutierrez tell his thrilling and riveting story about his family's participation in World War II, a true story filled with heroism and patriotism that has never been fully told. Dave Gutierrez is a professional researcher, historical presenter, and writer. His articles have appeared in publications including American Legion, War History Online, also recognized by both the Texas Military Forces Museum in Austin and the El Paso Museum of History for his groundbreaking work on Company E. He also specializes in genealogical research, Mexican-American history, and World War II studies. Dave and his family reside in San Jose, California. And now, here to tell about his genealogical search, which culminated in his book. Dave Gutierrez. So hi, Dave. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, I understand you just completed a speaking engagement at a conference by Moses Garza, We Are Cousins, um, where you talk about uh, your book, Patriots from the Barrio. And after hearing it, because I attended the conference, I just had to have you on to discuss your important book and findings. So thank you for coming on. Um, Tell us a little bit about your book. I've done some research on you, and I have some questions for you, too. But And I did get the book, by the way. I was able to uh, get it on Amazon, and I'm enjoying it, completely enjoying it. But uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about how you got started with this whole thing. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, let's see, I would say... About 2008, I started really getting heavily into genealogy and really looking at my family history online. Of mm -hmm. course, I uh, found a new website called Ancestry.com, and to be quite honest with you, my life has not been the same since. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, um, you find yourself up at 2 in the morning uh, yep. staring at U.S. Census records That's and, it. and realize you have to get up and go to work the next day. That was <laughs> a few hours, actually. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, it's a very addicting thing, uh, genealogy research. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I'm going through uh, Ancestry, I'm starting to locate documents of a cousin of mine who had served in World War II. Of course, everyone in our family knows all about uh, our relative who served heroically uh, in World War II. He was highly decorated U.S. Army, uh, had served in, from what we knew, that he had served in the 36th Infantry Division, the 36th Infantry Division in Italy, mm -hmm. and had been awarded the Silver Star uh, for actions uh, at Salerno, Italy, and he would become one of only a few Americans to be decorated for valor on the battlefield by the Soviet Union. Oh, my goodness. So during all, knowing all of this, and then I start finding articles on him that even gave me more information. I started to really get intrigued about finding out more about my cousin Ramon Gutierrez, mm -hmm. who was from Del Rio, Texas. Well, on Ancestry, you could really... Um, message people back and forth, mm -hmm. uh, kind of like a Facebook page, and, you know, you, you, there's a huge community there that you can message people back and forth, 
and I noticed that someone was saving the same documents I was. They were saving the same oh. uh, grave site records, uh, death records, mm-hmm. U.S. records. And I said, this person probably related to me somehow. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to them, and sure enough, it was my cousin Gloria who lived here in San Jose, and we had never met. Oh, <laughs> this is, well, she's a second cousin of mine. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. We start to talk, and she goes, you should come over for dinner, and I went over for dinner at her house, and her her mom is my cousin Ramon's sister, who is the World War II veteran. Oh. And after leaving their home that evening, I'm like, why hasn't anyone ever put this man's story together? Mm-hmm. And as I started to do research, I got more intrigued. I found relatives of the men that served with uh, with my cousin Ramon mm-hmm. and with genealogy research over a span. It took me five years to write this book. Oh, I'll book. bet. Oh. And, and uh, after about five years of research, I had already connected with over 60 different families of the men that served with my cousin in World War II. Oh, amazing. And they all, of course, contributed uh, significantly to the book. They uh, contributed their own stories photos and I you know after a while I was able to go ahead and self publish the book. So that's how that's how I got started. Yeah, now this is your first book, correct? Very first book oh, I had my ever goodness. written. Uh, well. it, just, it was just a story that I thought was too important because through research I realized that he had served in a very unique unit. It was oh, not yeah. just only the thirty sixth infantry division. Mm-hmm. But they were the only all-Mexican-American U.S. Army unit in World War II. Yeah, and, you know, I'm finding that out, too. I didn't know about that. Now, um, I have a father-in-law who's passed on now, but he was also in World War II, and so were all of his brothers. And um, he fought in the uh, Pacific Theater of New Guinea, Philippines, Okinawa. Um, 1945-1946, he was in Japan. Uh, with the Japanese occupation for six months. He was a paratrooper, uh, 11th Airborne Division, and his brothers also served in Europe uh, with the, what they used to call the Army Corps, 8th Army. And um, uh, his brothers were, his, actually one of his brothers was, uh, uh, he was a, um, a, a gunner uh, in one of the, um, in one of the raids that they had. And he used to fly what they call uh, the Flying Fortress, <laughs> a very old plane, you know, and he was at the back where he would uh, gun down, um, if they got close enough, right, he would he would gun down um, cities. Unfortunately, I mean, this is a war, you know, you think about war and you go, oh my, you're talking about killing people here. But um, it had to be done. And it was, it was a world effort. And um, we always talked about it. Uh, my father-in-law used to talk about it but not in detail I, I remember and in your book you discuss how they didn't want to talk about it um it was very interesting because it, that generation didn't like talking much about it and even in terms of seeing themselves as heroes so um what you've done here with this book is uh, literally uh, you know uh, resurrected their story and they are heroes uh they're heroes to our community and um, they're heroes to our individual families and what they had to contribute. And I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, having done all your research, um, how, you've, how you've walked away thinking about your ancestors now, knowing before you started that they were like that. But what do you think about them now? 
Yeah, it's amazing what they all went through. First of all, you have to realize that this World War II generation uh, grew up during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So they've already had that to combat and, and survive through. Right. Um, and then you talk about, you know, our own relatives. Uh, we're talking about Mexican-Americans mm-hmm. who were growing up in, in, in the state of Texas at the time where they were not welcomed in, openly not welcomed in restaurants mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's crazy um, to think to about. On, mm-hmm. They had to walk on the other side of the street. Uh. Um, and and that's, what, that's what they grew up with. And yet they went through all of this. Right. And when America needed them the most, mm-hmm. they, they were there. They were there. They answered the call and they served heroically. And some of them gave their very lives for the very freedoms we enjoy today. And you're just thinking about that, knowing that that puts them right in the hero category to me. And um, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is to reach the young people of today, the Hispanics of today, because um, you can so easily forget. And I'm worried. Uh, and that's why this book is so important. I'm worried about us being the last generation who will actually remember uh, the uh, contributions that our Hispanic ancestors made, um, because there's so much that's happening now, right? And and so your book is important, and it, uh, the timing uh, couldn't be better with whatever the, what, all that's going on now, right? Um, on in this country with the pandemic and and everything else that's happening, uh, I want to spread the word about your book because it is important. I found it fascinating. Um, in reading it uh, about how you talked about your cousin and tell us a little bit, and this puts me, puts you right in the category of your ancestor being um, a hero. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the uh, Rapido river incident that happened that actually, uh, you know, put them in that uh, hero category. Sure. Sure. Uh, Well, the 36th division became the first American unit uh, to oppose Hitler's Nazi forces on the European continent when they wow. landed at Torino, Italy. Mm-hmm. So they fought their way up uh, through the Italian peninsula after landing at Salerno. Mm-hmm. And they fought at places like Mount Rotundo, uh, San Pietro. And in January of 1944, they came um, within a mile of the Rapido River, the Rapido River. Mm-hmm. So they're a mile from there, and they have the unit has orders to cross the river. Uh, well, the Germans had been fortifying their defenses at the Rapido River and, and what they called the Gustav Line. It was the third line of their defense, and the Germans had been withdrawing all the way since September, mm-hmm. and it's now January, and they had been fortifying their defenses there. So there was heavily defended river, and here the 36th Division has orders to cross the river. Well, in a span of 48 hours, the 36th Division would lose over 2,000 men in its attempt to cross the Rapido River wow. in January of 1944. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much wiped out the 141st and 143rd Infantry Regiments mm-hmm. of the 36th Division. Mm-hmm. And Company E, which was uh, my my cousin Ramon's unit, mm-hmm. Company E in the 141st. They crossed with about 154 men that day 
at the Rapido River, only 27 of them would come back. Oh, my goodness. Many of them would either kill, mm-hmm. wounded, or taken prisoner. So, Why yeah, was, was it a, controversial? Was, you say in your book that it's a controversial, it was controversial. What happened? Uh, why was it so, uh, what's, why was the outcome so horrible? Well, the, the Germans, again, had defended that the Gustav line, and they had been mm-hmm. fortifying their de- defenses. So when you try to cross an open terrain right. and, and a river where the river is the main line of its defense, it was literally a slaughterhouse mm. uh, as they came across right. uh, the river. But, yeah, it was very controversial because there, there was patrols before the mm-hmm. actual crossing, and many of the men of Company E went on a patrol, and that unit, that little patrol, nearly got wiped out. And those that survived came back and said, uh, "You guys got to be kidding me! They're, they're heavily defended. There's machine guns where you guys don't even have it listed or mm-hmm. anything on your maps. Um, there's no way we're going to cro- be able to cross this." And the officers were like. Look, we're not talking about just a patrol. We're we're talking about the entire regiment's going to cross, right? And they came back and told them, "Hey, man, you try to cross the, the entire regiment, and we're going to get slaughtered." And it's exactly what happened. Yes. Well, it was so controversial. And those that survived this, the Rapido River crossing, uh, swore that they would never forget what happened here because mm-hmm. they felt that there was a lot of lives lost um, yes. where they shouldn't be. Uh, they. They felt that they shouldn't have crossed at that point, oh. at that particular area mm-hmm. where where they were crossing, especially the way it was heavily defended. Right. So after the war, there was an there was actually a congressional hearing mm-hmm. to find out if anything should be done to the officers who were in command of a unit that lost so many American lives. Wow. And um, really, nothing really came of it mm. other than there was an investigation in Congress over it. Um, they they, yeah, they felt that it was important enough to investigate it and see what had happened. Obviously, there was a lot of um, error in uh, the decisions that were made at that time. Whoever it was that made those decisions to have those soldiers cross over, uh, it was just, you know, didn't have the, um, uh, I don't know the 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 vision to see that this even though they were being told that so it seems that there was a lot of error on the part of the um the generals or whoever it was that uh, was uh, that had those uh, soldiers cross over yeah there was a, a lot of animosity between the officers at, at this time mm-hmm. uh, we had uh general mark clark who was in charge of the entire fifth army that the 36th division was assigned to and then the the main officer in the 36th, the commanding officer of the 36th Division was uh, Fred Walker. Mm-hmm. And Fred Walker was much older than, than Mark Clark. Mm. As a matter of fact, Mark Clark was one of his students at, at the academy. Mm. He was teaching him, and now here, one of his students is his superior. So you could, you could, mm. you could sense the animosity between oh, the officers. Yes. Regardless of what those two were, what was happening... The brunt of it was, you know, the 36th Division was nearly sacrificed right. at the Rapido River. 
Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so sad. They lost over 2,000 men oh, in, in, in their attempt to cross the river. And it's known as one of the most colossal blunders in the U.S. Army. Yeah, before. that's what I was reading about. And it's, uh, it, but see, it's something that has been swept under the rug. Like a lot has been swept under the rug, right? You just don't hear about these things. And uh, how many people, how many Hispanic fam- families suffered because of someone's pretty much idiot decision, right? Um, and that does happen in war. But um, the Hispanic community probably doesn't know about it. And hopefully it will get... Uh, it will get out there with your book, and um, not that there's anything anybody can do about it, but these people are heroes, um, and that's what you know what needs to be exposed. Now, I know that your um, your cousin uh, was given a Purple Heart. Was it for that or something else? Uh, my cousin was uh, wounded three times, so that's oh. a Purple Heart with two oak leaf clusters. Wow. He was wounded three times dur- during the war. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time was at Salerno when they first landed. He charged a machine gun nest after witnessing a few of his uh, uh, men from Company E get mm-hmm. killed right in front of him. Mm. Uh, they had run into enemy tanks, and they were one of the first units to land. So there's no artillery. The ships are t- still too far for any ar- uh, mm-hmm. artillery help shelling. Mm. So his, they're fighting off enemy tanks with just infantry weapons oh, and, there's a, and there's a machine gun behind the tank that's spewing deadly fire my, my cousin gets so upset that people were, were dying in front of him that he mm. charged the machine gun nest oh. with his brown automatic rifle wow. uh, he was shot he lost the, the, his weapon and he continued to charge the machine gun without without his rifle mm. and silenced it with a hand grenade and then he jumped in. Then he jumps into the foxhole and kills the last German in hand-to-hand combat. Oh my goodness! Wow. So, for that action, uh, he's been he's awarded the Silver Star. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the Soviet Union had sent an officer to observe. The Russians were really eager to see what the Americans and British were going to be doing on this new front mm-hmm. in Italy. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Russians have been fighting the Germans on the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. So the officer uh, overhears what my cousin had done, and he says, this is the type of action that will inspire my comrades on the Eastern Front. (laughs) And uh, they put in for a medal, and after Ramon is wounded for the third time and taken prisoner Mm -hmm. for the second time, he's uh, he, he comes back across Allied lines, and... He's in a hospital for a few weeks, and then they, he was going back to his unit, and they told him, no, you have to go back home. You have to go to Washington, D.C., because the Russians gave you a medal. Oh. Wow. That's... <laughs> oh, These are the kind of stories, you know, that you just... Your hair stands up on the back of your head for this. And um, you just kind of sit there, and you go, my God. But see, these are things that have to be told. And um, and it, we learn from this. We learn as a Hispanic community um, the stories of our ancestors and what they went through and how brave they were, how much they dealt with. And uh, I think every person of uh, Hispanic descent that lives in the United States has some kind of story that uh, relates back to mistreatment and um, just, you know, just uh, being ignored. 
Um, and so this is, this is why we need to band together and we need to really just get the word out about all of this. Um, yes, you're, you're... I grew up listening and hearing my cousin's story. So we all knew, uh, and thought of him as, and we kind of, uh, joked that he was the Audie Murphy of the family. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the most highly decorated soldier in World War II, right. who was also from Texas. Um, but we knew about that. And I always found it odd that nobody else really heard or talked about his story at all. And as, as I was doing more research, I'm like, I have to get this story out there. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, and I find that to be true with lots of Hispanics. We're very humble people. We don't like to toot our own horns. And I think it's just a given, right? This is this is our this is our character. It's our stock. It's where we come from. We don't like to be too boisterous about what we do. And we come from a a root of, uh, you know, uh, which which extends in many ways to Mexico, but there are other places in Latin America where people come from too, where, you know, you just didn't do that. You were humble. You We, we came from humble beginnings. I know my family came from humble beginnings. Um, and um, we just work our, we worked our way up and we didn't really, you know, boast about it. So I think that's part of just who we are. And what what you're doing is resurrecting this and saying, hey, wait a second, these people, this person, my cousin needs to be, um, you know, talked about because he did a great thing. And and uh, the rest of the community needs to hear about it. And uh, hopefully all of America will hear about it. So it's it's what you've done is very wonderful here. And I'm sure your ancestors looking down on you and blessing you for it. As I say, thank you, <laughs> Cousin Dave, for what you've done. Um, and I know that um, the book can be found on Amazon. So anybody who's interested in this book that's hearing this podcast right now can go to Amazon and look it up. Um, it is it is a book that's worth reading, especially if you're Hispanic. But if not, you're just a World War II history buff, a buff look it up anyway, because you won't um, you won't regret it. It's an it's an incredible experience to go through this and the way you have uh, prefaced it with the story of your your dad and um, how he would talk to you when you guys were young and then you'd watch these World War II movies that was really cool because my husband has that same experience having grown up with his father who was a World War II veteran and just being really engaged with World War II you know um movies and um any little you know souvenirs that he brought back so it was really fun to to read that part yeah yeah and and as you can imagine as first first and foremost yes i wanted to get my cousin's story out there but as i became connected with these families i felt a strong obligation to make sure that their story was also told in in, in the book and some of them were absolutely amazing uh, there's no way I could have been able to write it without without their stories. Mm-hmm. One in particular was um, Rafael Torres from El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. But Rafael Torres uh, was my cousin Ramon's squad leader, and I found that out when wow. I found his granddaughter. Mm. And his granddaughter was blogging about her grandfather, Rafael Torres, and I said, oh, wow, here she is. And uh, I had already done the genealogy, so I knew what her name was. And as I was Googling her and looking for her, um, I came across her blog. And here she was talking about the, the, the man I was looking for. Mm. 
and she uh, she and I got together. We started talking, and uh, she goes, "You know, Dave, my my grandfather wrote his memoirs, and I still have those, and I'd like to send that to you, and hopefully they can help you in some way." Mm. Well, you know, I expected you know a, a couple of pages. She sends me two hundred pages <laughs> of this man's personal memoirs, wonderful of everything that happened to them in in World War Two. Right. And Rafael Torres had been part of the Texas National Guard even before uh, the outbreak of World War II. So I had straight information on what he was thinking, what was happening, mm. the times that he was wounded. Yeah. So throughout the book, you'll... you'll first account. These, yes. Yeah, their first-person first accounts right. of what, what, they, what was happening to them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure the readers also got... Uh, an idea of what happened to these men after the war. And, and I wanted to right. make sure that they understood that. Yes, and it comes through uh, in, in your book as well. Um, the Patriots from the Barrio, that's the name of the book. And I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about, I know you have plans for this book, and I'm really excited about it. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that before we end this segment. And if you want to continue, we can go to the next segment. I'd love for you to, to stay on with me. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you have plans for this book, because it sounds it sounds like a winner. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I originally self-published the book in 2014. Mm-hmm. And for the next three years, I was just trying to get their story out there. I was, you know, I'm a, a first-time writer, self-published it, uh, Really, I didn't have the uh, the confidence in myself to go to a, a publisher, so that's why I went to self-publishing. Mm. So for three years, I just was writing articles. Hopefully, some of them get, would get published. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. And uh, there was this one article that I worked on for quite a while, and it got rejected from a World War II magazine, one of my favorite World War II magazines, by the way, no. that I subscribed to. Uh-huh. And it gets rejected. They said, oh, no, thank you. We're not, we're not interested. Oh, funny. So I'm like, oh, well, okay. Um, and then I'm going through Facebook the next day, and my cousin has a, a post about War History Online. So I read the story, and I said, War History Online, let me look at them a little closer. They had over a million followers on Facebook alone. And wow. so I sent them the, the, the exact same article that was rejected by the magazine. And within a week, they had published it with me as a guest writer. <laughs> so this is 2017. And in the summer of 2017, I get an email from someone who was very interested in obtaining the film rights to this article and the book, Patriots from the Body. There you go. And I'm like, okay, well, that got my attention, right? Mm-hmm. Writes to your to the story that you wrote in the book. And after a few emails and phone calls, uh, I was talking to people that are associated with Hollywood actor producer Wilmer Valderrama. Okay. Uh, of that '70s show, Feds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's currently on CBS on the hit show NCIS. And Wilmer's doing a lot of great things, um, especially for the Hispanic community. I mean, oh, that's good to hear. That represents us is is right. Good. So here I am 
in L.A. Uh, talking with Wilmer and his production team, and he's telling me uh, that he wanted to obtain the film rights. And in September of 2017, uh, his production company, WV Enterprises, obtained the film rights. Now, Wilmer's plan is for not a two-hour film, but a multi-episode TV series. Okay. For, for yeah. Patriots from the Volume. So oh. that's where we're at right now. Oh, that's so exciting. Uh, recently, Wilmer signed a new deal with CBS TV Studios where he is giving them first look, uh, a first look uh, deal mm-hmm. where, he, where he's producing cultural relevant material for CBS TV Studios. Mm-hmm. And one of the projects that was already on board with CBS TV Studios is Patriots from the Audio. Oh, I mean, you must be on, you know, cloud nine with all of this. I would be, uh, first of all, because you're actually going to do something uh, more than the book that will um, inspire your cousin's uh, story and legacy and going forward. And um, also because uh, you've got a great team, it sounds like, that's going to try and produce this thing. Um, Let's talk on the other side of the next segment. I have some more questions for you. And uh, we'll be continuing with our discussion with uh, Dave Gutierrez, author of Patriots from the Barrio. We're back with Dave Gutierrez, author of Patriots from the Barrio. So, Dave, we finished on the last segment. Let's go ahead and uh, continue our talk here. So you were telling me a little bit about um, how you plan or at least uh, someone who's purchased the rights will uh, be planning on creating this into a miniseries, which will really I can't wait. So make sure that you all let us know when that happens. Right. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I'll get some of that information from you at the end of this segment uh, where we, others can reach you. And I'll also be putting it on my blog, uh, which is uh, on Facebook um, at um, Hispanic Genealogy Talk blog. You'll be able to um, get more information on Dave Gutierrez and we'll also be able to have a link to his book. Uh, so moving along about your, your journey, the genealogical journey that you took back years ago, um, are you planning on continuing and uh, moving further down into your past? It's always, I'm always curious to know because now you're a genealogist, right? You've got all of this expertise about how to do it. Are you going to continue and go further back in the line? And are you curious about, for instance, you know, the, uh, how far you can go back in Mexico? Oh, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, that's almost a daily thing for me. Okay. Um, it's, uh, what, 12, 12, 13 years, almost 12, 13 years mm. now since uh, I've been on Ancestry. Uh, I've, with the book now, um, of course, you, you, you saw me through, or you heard about me through the, through the conference, or the yes. genealogy conference. So prior to the pandemic, I was traveling around the country uh, and doing uh, live events at, you know, genealogy uh, mm. groups and stuff um, I found a genealogy group here in the Bay Area, and the only thing, it's funny, the only reason how I found them was that the, because they were talking about my book. 
Oh, uh, wow. They were talking about my book, and I was like, oh, hey, hi, guys, I'm the writer. Thank you. Thank oh, you for yes. Talking about my book. And then I find out that they're here in the Bay Area, and it's, it was the Nuevo Mundo Hispanic Genealogy mm. of the Silicon Valley here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, founded by Alicia Carrillo and Martin Perez here, uh, because they saw that there was nothing that specialized in Hispanic genealogy. So they made up their own group here. And I've since become the president of the group now. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, so, and we're on Facebook also. Uh, and of course, prior to the pandemic, we were meeting on a monthly basis. And, uh, yeah, we have plans to continue to grow uh, our Nuevo Mundo group here in the Bay Area. So genealogy, I'm, I'm heavily still into it. Uh, I've One of the fascinating stories that I found out was that my fifth great-grandfather is the founder of San, San Ignacio, Texas. Oh. Wow. Wow. San Ignacio, Texas, was founded in 1830. Yep. That wow. predates the state of Texas. So Amazing. When people, when people ever look at me and say, well, uh-huh. where do you come from? Exactly. You're standing on it. Yeah, and that's one. Of, yeah, that's one of my big arguments too. When it comes to learning about your genealogy, is you just will never know what you will discover, and it's going to change your life when you do. Um, I have, of course, I kind of parallel your experience um, that I started uh, trying to get more information on my uh, mother's side. Actually, she used to sit and tell us stories just like you, and uh, you know, over cafecito, we'd sit there and we'd listen in her little kitchen, you know, and she'd tell me stories about the Yaquis because my people are from Sonora and uh, and the Spaniards and how the Yaquis had blended with the Spaniards and, and how we had Spanish ancestry and that they were looking for gold. I mean, she just basically set up a whole, you know, uh, journey for me to take. But at the time I was really young, you know, 14 or 15. And I didn't really, you know, I did, wasn't sitting there thinking about I'm going to be a writer or I'm going to be a genealogist. I was just fascinated with my mother's stories. But um, when I finally, after losing both of my mother and my father in the 90s, I really had this, you know, desire to learn more. And and it helped me to get over their deaths too, you know, to be close to them, at least, at least in document form, you know, I'm close to my mom and dad. And we had just started doing more digging. And I come to find out, wait a cotton picking minute here. We uh, not only descend from Sonora, we also descend from people that founded California. That goes way back to the first, uh, you know, uh, mayor of San Jose, believe it or not, the Pachecos. And so it was like amazing to me. None of my relatives had ever done this because they had not gone that far. And um, it just it just put me on a different track. Right. And now I get very frustrated when I hear rhetoric of politicians who say you don't belong here. I want to choke somebody. (laughs) Because, you know, and part of uh, this whole podcast and part of my whole desire to put everything on paper, because I'm also writing a book. I'm writing a book as well. It's called Finding Maclovia. And the book is about my great-great-grandmother, who supposedly was a Yaqui Indian. And so I'm doing research and trying to dig up more information on her. Uh, her and my uh, great-grandfather lived in the mountains of Sonora and San Antonio de la Huerta, which is like not far from the Yaqui River. So it's an incredible story. And um, I'm just trying to piece together all the documents. I've, I've, it's hard, though. As you know, it's hard, isn't it? Um, yeah. 
not to discourage anybody, but it's it's hard because, you know, there's a lot of research that takes place and you can't just, uh, you know, take somebody else's document and say, no, this is my document. You have to really do a lot of research and um, really just vet out these people, make sure that they're your relatives. And so in doing all of that, I've learned quite a lot about Sonora and the history and then uh, researching my dad's line, finding out that we're related, you know, um, uh, to people that go all the way back to California too. And it's it's just an incredible journey. And I want to encourage those and of course encourage you to keep going because you never know what you're going to continue to find. And it sets oh, yeah. us. It oh, yeah. sets us I in mean, that there, record. I, I, there's like two or three different subjects that I could write an entire book about that, that has happened within my family. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, and what we really need, to tell you the honest truth, Dave, we need a a humongous story movie, a sweeping account of the Hispanic community in this country and the contributions that we have made. There's a great book that I posted and he actually spoke about on the last podcast that I um that I put out a couple of days ago because I love books. I love to read books. And um, this is about the Costa paintings. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Costa paintings. These are the, the paintings that were made in the 17th and 18th century by um, artists that were uh, commissioned by the uh, the government of Me- of uh, Spain, actually, at the time, um, to, to, to actually create a... a pictures, uh, portraits of the various different racial designations in Mexico at the time. And it was a way for them to uh, document it and actually put it up there in a lot of the different um, uh, buildings of the day to describe and show the people, this is what you're supposed to dress like, this is the way you're supposed to be. And um, (laughs) the history goes very deep. And of course, we are a mixture of both, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're Hispanic, but we're also, we have native ancestry and, uh, a lot of people that, uh, are looking for their ancestors are looking specifically for one or the other. Um, it's very difficult to look for the native side because they just didn't leave the documents. They, a lot of them didn't have a written record. Um, I'm not sure, uh, how far deep you've gone into your history, but I know for me in Sonora and Baja California, my people were settled there for 300 years at least. So there was like a mini conquest that happened there. Um, also up there in Texas too, there was a mini conquest that happened, right? I mean, we're talking about the main conquest in Mexico between the Aztecs and then when they proceeded up north to conquer uh, the other tribes up there. So there were many conquests that went all the way around. And um, I find that it's very difficult uh, to really pinpoint and say, yes, these are my, you know, these are my native ancestors and uh, this is, uh, you know, their, what their names were, because the minute that they were colonized, they were stripped of their native names and they were uh, baptized and given Spanish names. Right. So I'm not sure if you've encountered that or not. Uh, a little bit, but yes. So it's very interesting. It's a beautiful story. Um, and I find it quite fascinating. Um that uh, you're doing what you're doing. I highly encourage you to continue and keep it up. Um, there's not, there, there's only a handful of um, people 
that are putting their records down, that are that are taking the time to do the research. And um, I wish there were more Hispanics that did that. They would dig deep into their story and come back with a beautiful book like yours so that we can all learn from it. Because what you put down on paper, I'm learning from too. Um, because it's the story of America. It's the story of the Hispanics in America pre-United States. Because you go before yeah. that, right? Yeah. So it's very, very, very beautiful. I would encourage you to continue on that. Um, let me see what my other questions are here. Now, I want to just go over a little bit about any advice or suggestions you might have for any new up-and-coming writer or maybe a young Hispanic person who's listening to the podcast now. What advice or suggestions would you have for them if they want to become a writer? Uh, one of the things that I had to do deal with and really battle through is stay focused mm -hmm. and I tried different things on how to stay focused on what I was doing um, Geneal the genealogy piece was fun to me that was that's always it, to me that didn't seem like work it was it was really fun mm -hmm. but you know life gets in the way uh, uh, of what you want to do as a writer and you really have to stay focused. And one of the things that really helped me, so I'm, I'm writing this, the true story of my cousin's World War II mm -hmm. unit. At the time I was writing, I had a photo of a memorial that was dedicated to him in his hometown of Del Rio, Texas. And what I did is I grabbed that photo and I placed it right there by my bedside. And every morning when I woke up, it was there mm. and it would, it would remind me, what are you going to do for him today? And vice versa, when you're going to bed and you're going to reach over and turn off that light, there's that picture. Yeah. And it, it, you, you can ask yourself the question, what did you do for him today? Mm. You know, you know, what, what got in your way and why didn't you do something for him today? And that really helped me out. It, it allowed me to stay focused and to continue and pursuing what I was pursuing. Kind of have a responsibility uh, I, to him too, right? And feeling right. like you're responsible to finish this yeah. project because yeah. you're doing it to honor him. Right. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just wrapping up my second book Ooh. Um, where I'm writing the true story of a Mexican-American pilot who served in World War II. Okay. Now, every time I open my laptop now, my screensaver is his airplane, his P-47 <laughs> fighter plane. Wow, yeah. Every time I, every are... time I open that laptop, yeah. that's what I'm looking at. I'm staring at that's, his P-47. That's a great tip. It really is. I need to do that with my great-grandmother, Maclovia. <laughs> I need to have her because, everywhere. Yeah, because it's a constant reminder. Every time you turn on your laptop, yeah. that... That you're not, you're not straight. You're not going through people's Facebook timelines. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You're not wasting time. In other words, yeah, you're staying focused. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I had this to do and this to do. And right. The next thing you know, 
you're heavily into your research. I think that's one of the oh. one of the biggest drawbacks for writing is that you can get so distracted and other things come up. I mean, life is happening all around us. You're doing this in the middle of a yeah. pandemic, first of all, and second of yeah. all, you know, uh, the just the the the, the cultural, you know, collapse. <laughs> I don't mean to be negative. The cultural collapse is kind of happening <laughs> around us right now, you know, and um, it's it's really incredible um, that you can stay focused that way. But I love those tips. So whoever is listening, who wants to be a writer, pay close attention, take these take these tips uh, to heart, because I, that really resonates with me, to tell you the truth, because I'm also doing my own writing as well. Um, you know, you can't lock yourself up in your room forever either. No. when I'm doing the editing piece and that's where I'm at right now where I'm yep. going back and forth with my editor back and forth so okay that's that's great uh so we've got a second book coming that's awesome and um and well I think that maybe we've come to the end of my questions but um it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I, I'm really going to be rooting for you and um, would love to have you back in, you know, three to six months and let us know how it's going. Uh, I'm doing my best to um, connect myself with all other um, streamings. We we're on streaming pretty much with everybody right now. Uh, but um, my, uh, my work here continues as well. And so I'm, really looking forward to your work in the future, Dave. I want to thank you so much for coming on with me today, spending, uh, what, 90 minutes talking, and I uh, look forward to um, hearing from you again soon. And for those, please pick up his book, uh, Patriots from the Barrio on Amazon. And you can also, do we have a Facebook page we can go to uh, for you as well? Let's get some of that information down. Okay. There's a Facebook page dedicated to uh, the book. It's just Patriots from the Barrio. Okay. Uh, it's been up even before the book was published uh, because I wanted to I wanted to start genu- uh, generating interest in the book. Okay. So it's been there since 2014. And... Uh, I also have a web page. Okay, good. Uh, mm-hmm. And we can go and... there for more information as well on the on the book. Yeah, everything about the book is in there. Every most articles that have been written about the book or, you know, podcasts or interviews, live at TV interviews that I've done. And if anybody else is interested in reaching out to you, they can, they can get that uh, email from you on that webpage. Yes, they can. Okay. They can leave a message directly right there. And then uh, lastly, when, uh, uh, I know it's, it's always, you know, when it comes to, you know, movies and stuff like that, but is there like a projected time when we might be able to see that series on your book? Well, right now, um, let's see, where are we at? Uh, CBS TV Studios uh, has the film rights to it now. And uh, what they're doing, they've already hired a writer. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the star's hit show, uh, Hightown. Mm, yes and no. I mean, yeah, generally. John Cavarubius is the writer to that. And they have brought him on board oh, uh, to work on the Patriots from the Body of Project. Great. So at, at th- some point here very soon, we're going to be sitting down and piecing together, the I would think, the pilot episode uh, to the series. Uh, in, the mean, in the meantime, CBS TV Studios is already looking to finance the project. And once we get that pilot episode, they have something to shop around. Yeah. 
Okay, and this is going to be for regular TV, not cable or anything like that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You're not sure uh, about it, okay. No, because CBS TV studios can take that anywhere. Uh, yeah, And I'm sure true. they will listen to, to everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're not, they're, I don't think they'll limit themselves. Oh, yeah, really, uh, and they probably won't. But um, we'll be keeping an eye on all of that. And uh, when the time comes, please come back on, and we'll discuss some more about the pilot and possibly um, where it's going to be, you know, shown so that audience, audience, uh, the audience that's listening to this podcast will be able to tune in on whatever uh, whatever way they're going to do it. But um, I'm very excited for you. It's a great start. And uh, I'll be, like I said, rooting for you. And hopefully we'll keep in touch again. So thanks again, Dave. And I look forward to speaking to you sometime in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.